chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and um, we'll look at one verse there, verse number 5. I was just meditating on some things about the message tonight, and there's a passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus was ministering or trying to minister to a woman, and he asked her for a drink of water out of a well, and she kind of got a little tense with him, and you know, she said, who, who do you think you are, basically asking me, a Samaritan woman, you being a Jew, for water? And he said, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for a drink of water, and you would never thirst again. In that same mindset, we apply that to the subject of faith. If we understood how important faith was, we would certainly, amen. Uh, and I'm not saying that we don't, but even those of us that have been studying the subject for a long time, we haven't even really scratched the surface as to the importance of faith. And, and um, so given its importance, given its effect and influence on our lives, um, it's one of those subjects in the Word of God that I think calls for, um, you know, tremendous study. And, and then, you know, we, we'll talk about it for a while, then we'll move on to other things, but then we'll always circle back around. And some of what we circle back around to is, is repetitive, redundant, um, deliberately so. But then, you know, there are times when the Lord really begins to show us some new things about faith. And, and so I'm just excited that you're here and those of you who are listening, watching, to, you know, later by recorded device that I'm excited for all of us. I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking some strong things to us. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Now, Paul is encouraging Timothy, and he's encouraging him in a very key area of his life. He's encouraging him when it comes to his faith. And he's talking about the faith that was in previous generations of Timothy's family and was now found in him. Let me make sure that we understand this, okay? Just because mom and them believed, that doesn't necessarily mean that their children believe, amen? Words, this is ultimately something that, that we have to, you know, do for ourselves. Um, you, every person's given the measure of faith, um, but we don't inherit faith. But that's not to say that we don't benefit from godly examples and, and, and parents or other people that we look to and respect, men and women of faith, that can help us in our own journey. So he's not saying that Timothy had unfeigned faith because his mother and grandmother had it, but he's just saying that um, that same faith that was in them is also in him. I'm not saying that mother and grandmother didn't have something to do with it, 
their influence. Um, but nonetheless, this, I think, was a very important word of encouragement, or even, you could even say compliment, for Timothy, um, for none other than the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to point out that he has a genuine faith, a genuine faith. This word unfeigned, translated in other places, genuine. Um, I like the word feigned here because if, if there's a such thing as unfeigned faith or genuine faith, then that means that there's also the opposite of that. Um, what would be considered simulated faith or pretend faith. We've said that genuine faith is a function of the heart, pretend faith is a function of the head, and that there's a huge difference between being convinced and trying to convince yourself. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about the importance of faith and what the Word of God calls works. Um, I've heard it explained this way, and I like, I like for it to be broken down this way, faith and a corresponding action. So if you will, turn with me to the book of James, the book of James, the second chapter, James chapter 2. Now, to give you a brief background, this particular James is not John's brother James, um, James and John, known as the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder. But this James is the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother in that Joseph was his father, Mary was his mother. With Jesus, Mary was his mother, but the Holy Spirit was his father. But this particular James grew up in the household with Jesus and did not believe Jesus was the Son of God until after his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. Now, his book is one of the more unique books that we find in all the Bible and in all the New Testament. Because we see so much of the New Testament and the epistles are devoted to helping you and me understand that we're not under the works of the law for our righteousness, but we've received righteousness as a gift by grace. But as is the case with so many teachings, Many people in the early church and many people in our world today, the church world today, have pushed grace to a place that it was never meant to be. And their idea of grace was that as long as you believed in God, you just kind of let the rough end drag and whatever happened, happened, and whatever was going to turn out was the way it was going to turn out, what have you. And James brought us back into alignment here. He's not saying that it's the works of the law. He's not talking about the works of the law. He's talking about the works that come forth from a person's life as a genuine expression of a genuine faith that's inside of them. And there's a huge difference there. In other words, there are people who don't understand this and they think that James is contradicting Paul and that, that these two had some kind of you know, rift or something like that. No, no, nothing could be further from the truth. What James is saying here is 
we live under grace, but what we do matters. We live under grace, and, and yet the, the grace that we have received, we've received how? By faith. We were saved by grace through faith. So thank God for what Jesus has done for us, but we access that, receive that, experience that in our lives by faith. So is grace alone enough? Well, the answer to that question is not a trick question. The answer to that question is no. Because the grace that has brought salvation, the Bible says, has appeared to every man. But not every man's born again. Why? Because they haven't believed on Jesus. So I'm a grace preacher. I don't apologize for that. Okay. Uh, the, the covenant that we live under is a covenant of grace. And so I don't want you to think like some would think of James, that now all of a sudden we're backing up on that and now we're going to talk about works. No, he's saying that what we do and the works that proceed forth as an expression of our faith are not only important, but they're how faith is released from our lives to ultimately make a difference in our lives and the lives of other people. So let's, um, let's jump in at verse number 17. James chapter 2, verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now look at me for a moment, okay? Because we're talking about the difference between genuine faith and, um, and pretend faith. Or we could say simulated faith and, um, and uh, you know, faith that's not genuine or, or not authentic, pretend uh, faith, okay? And so when he says, you know, this part about um, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Let me, let me try to say this a little stronger just so that you understand. I believe, you know, what James is, is saying here and addressing here. Anybody can say at any time, I believe, fill in the blank. And they can even believe that they believe it, but just believing they believe it doesn't mean that they believe it. Remember, there's a difference between being fully convinced. Faith, by definition, is being fully convinced. There's a difference between being fully convinced and trying to convince yourself. And so James was talking about I think, you know, he was experiencing in his day what we experience a lot of in our day. People just walking around all the time saying, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. And he says, well, if you're really believing, there will be some evidence of action on your part that will be an expression of that faith that's under the hood, so to speak. 
Let me just in asking the Lord for ways to explain this and, and connect with this. I had the, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, spend some time yesterday with one of our brothers, uh, uh, Brother Tommy Presley. Uh, he's retired military, did tours of duty in Iraq. And, um, he has a, he's an engineer, but his passion is high-performance automobiles. And um, he's combined his engineering and computer skills with um, tuning high horsepower, uh, very expensive, I might add, um, engines. And I've always been interested, I mean, we've, we talk all the time, and, and he's told me about that, and I've always been curious about it, and so I just went yesterday, spent some time with him, and get him to walk me through it. And so obviously there's a lot of different factors that go into, you know, what makes a car not just run, but he, he has the ability to take a car and go into the computer and change the programming of that automobile and get way more horsepower out of that car without ever adding a turbocharger, without ever adding, the only modification is what's in, as he calls it, that little black box. He modifies what's in the little black box. Now, he was telling me one of the challenges that he has is, you know, he's selling a product that people can't see. You, you, in other words, you, I'm selling cabinets, man. We had cabinet displays. I could show them photographs of kitchens. I could take them out in the shop and show them where we're building cabinets. For him, everything he does is he says it's in that little black box until they take the car to the racetrack. See, then the, the, the works, the, the difference that was hidden in the box is proven or revealed in the performance of that car. So when James says, I will show you my faith by my works, he's saying, look, you know, our faith, so to speak, is something inward. Faith is a function of the heart. Faith is something in a person's heart. So obviously it's kind of like it's sealed in that little black box. You, 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 people could say, I can say, anybody can say, this is what I believe, this is what I'm believing for, all this other stuff. We can't really see in that black box, but we can see how what's in that black box affects our performance. Now, we are not, listen to me please, we are not on a performance basis with God. It's not, it's not about your performance. God doesn't love you if you perform well and, and, and drop kick you into hell if you don't. That's, we don't live that way. That's not who we are. There's nothing you can do tonight to make Him love you any more than He loves you right now. So this whole point, though, of bringing up performance is we're talking about just what is our brother Tommy. He's getting more out of those cars. Those cars are capable of producing more, and he's doing something under the hood in the little black box that is creating greater output where it really matters to the folks who put all that money in those high-performance automobiles. Are you following what I'm saying here? So in the same way, James is saying, look, as we grow in faith, as our faith becomes stronger, right? 
We're, we're able to get more out of life. We're able to offer more to our King. We're able to accomplish more for His glory. It doesn't change His love for you. It doesn't change, you know, uh, any of those things. But, but what, it, what it is doing is it's bringing greater performance or greater benefit out of our hearts and out of our lives. More, more fruit. Am I making sense to anybody in here? Is it, is it? Okay. All right. So... This is why he says in verse 19, you believe there is one God. You do well. Even the de demons believe, hyphen, and tremble. Now, notice what he's saying here. He, how do we know the devils believe there's one God? Well, obviously they were angels before they fell, and so they knew it from that perspective. But he's saying that their belief that there is one God is genuine because it causes them to visibly shake when they consider it. In other words, the, the belief in their heart that there is one God is genuine in them, as bizarre as it may be, Sound, as, it may, as it may sound to talk about genuine faith in a demon, but it's genuine in them because it causes a visceral reaction in them. They believe it, and how do we know? Right? It's kind of like, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but over many, many years, you know, you, you hear folks, you know, talk about things like, oh, God is my everything, uh, Jesus is my life. You know, they, in other words, anybody can say that. Okay, and, and it's kind of like what James was addressing here. You know, people talking about, you know, I believe in one God. You know, there's only one God. I believe in God. You know, but he's like looking for some change of performance in their lives based upon what they say is in that black box in their heart. The point is this. It's the faith inside of us that then comes forth as an expression in our works, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Remember what Jesus said, what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. And if faith is not in your heart in abundance, it's not going to come out of your mouth. But see, what, a lot of times what we do is we, we try to like police our words and not say anything negative and make that be a substitute for what needs to be in our hearts, and that is the genuine faith that's not pretend or simulated, but that's, but that's real. All right, let's keep reading here. Verse number 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Now, we're kind of getting deep off into this, and there's a few things that we need to come back and, 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 and carry along with us, and, and we'll do that in just a moment. But I want to stay with this one verse here. Um, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? <clears throat> when we look at the men and women in the Bible that 
are held up for us as examples of faith. We've looked at, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at two, there's 200, but two. And that is David, and David specifically when he faced Goliath, and then Abraham in growing in faith to the point that what began as a promise that he laughed at and staggered at to one that he not only believed and received, but then took this enormous step of faith by going to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. Now, one of the mistakes that we make is we look at these people and we, listen to me now, we think we're putting ourselves in their shoes, but what we're really doing is we're putting them in ours. What do I mean by that? Well, we, we, we think of what it must have been like for David as a little boy facing a giant, and oh, how afraid he must have been, and oh, how that, in other words, we're, we're, we're looking at this thing based upon what we know about it, where our faith is on this. Where, and, and so we think we're trying to put ourselves in his shoes, but again, we're not putting ourselves in his shoes. We're putting him in our shoes, and, and now we're trying to use him in our shoes to understand faith. And that, that's the wrong way of, we're messed up. We're, we, we got this thing, you know, crossways here. I offer to you tonight that David was not scared in the least bit. I offer to you tonight that, that Abraham wasn't all bent out of shape and, and about to vomit because of what he was about to do to Isaac. He told the people when he went up to the mountain, me and the boy will be back. Because the Bible says in his mind he had already received him raised from the dead. He had already established by faith an image in his mind of Isaac being killed and then God raising him from the dead. I'm going to ask him this in heaven, but I'm telling you tonight, I believe, I believe there was at least a little bit of disappointment in Abraham when the ram got caught in the bushes And God said, there's the substitutionary sacrifice instead of Isaac. In other words, he was fully expecting, his faith was, he was fully convinced. He wasn't wishing, he didn't have, you know, it's like, you know, got, you know, David's got a slingshot in one hand, his fingers crossed behind his back in the other, like hoping this works. You know, Abraham's knees were not knocking. Because he was... See, what what does faith do? Faith brings rest. Faith brings us into a place of rest. Matter of fact, that's one of the ways that you can determine whether or not you're in faith yet about something. If you're in faith about it, you're going to be at rest about it. 
You're going to be at, you're going to be in rest about it. You're not going to be all in. I'm not saying the devil won't try to mess with your mind and, and mess with your thoughts and thinking. But again, when you come to a place of fully persuaded, where the faith that the measure of faith that you have has been has been aroused and awakened and fed and strengthened and grown from faith to faith, and you come to a place again, there's rest, there's peace, there's there's it's it may you've believed that you've received. And you're just waiting for it to manifest. And you're not stressed out about it. Amen. Am I right about this? Think about that for a moment. The Bible says that in verse 20, do you see? There's something here for us to see. That faith was working together with His works. And by works, talking about what he did, faith was made perfect. Now when he says faith working together with his works, let me, let me try to, to, to paraphrase this, or let me try to put this in a, in a way that would make it more obvious in the way we speak in our day. He's saying that the faith that was in Abraham's heart, in that little black box, under the hood, nobody could see. I mean, he could sit there and talk a good game all he wanted to. But the faith that was there, it was a genuine faith. That faith was released, or we could say that faith was expressed, working together in conjunction with his works. Now we're going somewhere because I, I, I want you to see this, but there's two ways we could have done this, and I think this is the best way, so just stay with me. But we're fixing to take kind of a, a hard turn that I believe is going to bring some of this home. Faith working together with His works. It's stated here, it's implied here, but the way some people think about faith we're trying to understand this based upon what we think faith is. And I think we're missing something here. And that is, he had the faith first and then the works. See, l l listen to me, please. I'm not trying to offend you, but this is, this is running through me. Oh my gosh, this is running through me, all right? God has given to every person the measure of faith. Jesus said, your faith, the grain of a mustard seed, can move mountains. In Mark 11, one translation says, you've been given the God kind of faith. So every person has been given the measure of the God kind of faith. Your faith is perfect, okay? But we have to begin to understand the faith that we've been given as potential within us that must be developed. It must be strengthened. It must be grown. It must be walked out. It must be worked out. It, 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 it must be fed. It, 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 it must be strengthened. Whatever you feed grows and becomes stronger. Whatever you starve shrivels up and becomes weaker. Are you following what I'm saying here? 
So clearly, Abraham is the father of faith. He's our example to follow. I know I've said this in so many different ways, but we're, we're really close to a, a, a new level on this, I believe, in Jesus' name. So hear me, please. So we know that Abraham, he had faith. He had the measure of faith. But when God first spoke these promises to him, it was laughable to him. So clearly, he grew in faith. He became stronger in faith. Romans 4 tracks that progress for us until he became fully convinced. So when we see him raise the knife to plunge it into Isaac's chest, he's not about to vomit. His knees aren't knocking. He's not like, oh my God, my wife's going to kill me if this doesn't work. None of that, right? None of that. He's fully convinced. What part of fully convinced do we not understand? Fully convinced. You could not, you could not blast it out of him with moon dust. You, 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 you couldn't take a nuclear bomb and blast that out of his heart. He was fully convinced. And then, from that position of fully convincing, he released and expressed that faith in what he did. So many people in our world today, they don't understand what it takes to feed, develop, grow, and strengthen their faith to the point of becoming fully convinced. So we get people doing all kinds of crazy things by faith, not because they're fully convinced, but because somebody like me told them faith without works is dead. That's in the Bible, right? Faith without a corresponding action is dead. And so they equate that with, well, um, I'm just going to quit taking my medicine. Well, listen to me, please. When your faith gets to the point that you are fully convinced, nobody has to tell you to quit taking your medicine. Let me get back up here to my notes so I can stay focused. I got, I got too much on my heart to just wing it tonight. Amen. Amen. It is absolutely true that faith inside of us is expressed and released through actions. So we hear a lot about faith without works as being dead. One translation even says faith without works is unproductive. But what about works without faith? What about works without faith? See, we, we never think of it that way because we think the faith is a given and all we're lacking is, a, is, a, is enough courage to jump off the cliff. All we're lacking is, 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 is enough courage uh, to, to overcome the fear. And I know some of you, listen to me now, please hear me. This is, this is where people get into error by putting the cart of works before the horse of faith. Don't put the cart of works before the horse of faith. Faith without works is dead, and works without faith can be a recipe for disaster. Our works must be an expression of our faith and not a substitute for it. This is why we got so many people in the body of Christ today saying, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. No, no, see, you, you, you never took the time to get into the Word of God, to hear from God for yourself. 
And there's a lot of folks in the body of Christ and a lot of folks in the faith movement who want to hear from God for somebody else and not themselves. Very easy for me to hear from God for you. And then turn around and tell you what you ought to do. Right? Very easy for me to say, this is what you ought to do, right? This is how, these are the choices you ought to make. And this is, and this is where, listen, l- l- please hear me. If, if one of those men consumed by fear had said, well, if David can do it, I can do it too. Remember the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts? They saw Paul cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And so there was this demon-possessed man, and they said, we take authority over you in the name of Jesus. They did exactly the works, the corresponding action, that they had witnessed Paul do. They mimicked him. They They did what Paul did. And did those demons leave that man? No, the demons in that man said, we know who Jesus is and we know who Paul is, but we have no idea who you are. And they jumped on those, that one man jumped on those seven men and literally stripped them naked and almost beat them to death. They got the cart of works before the horse of faith. They got some formula of faith and because they listen to me please please listen to me we I'm not I'll tell you where a lot of this is rooted can I tell you where it's a lot of it's rooted it's rooted in the hearts of people who want father's help but they don't want father they want his stuff but they don't want him they want him to do what needs to be done in their lives, but they're not interested in taking the time to fellowship with Him, to commune with Him, to get before Him, to get in His Word, to, to, to cry out for understanding and wisdom, to, to develop the learned attitude of the fear of God in their lives. They're not interested in any of this. They're just wanting somebody to tell them what they can do, like that rich young ruler, tell me what I need to do, hopefully in five steps or less, to inherit eternal life. And so they, again, let's, let's go back to it, all right? Our works must be an expression of our faith, not a substitute for it. Not a substitute for it. Now I brought up medicine. It's a long story, but... I had almost all of my thyroid removed. It was the devil trying to steal my voice. It was a tumor that had, um, was growing very rapidly. When they first discovered it, it was the size of a golf ball and within a few weeks they had removed it and it had already gotten the size of a baseball. As a spirit-filled surgeon that removed, removed it and and, uh, and he told me and, me and Pam, he says, it, it was, you know, the next thing would be for it to entangle in, around his vocal cords. Now, as a pastor who preaches healing and faith and all, all these things, right, it was, it, was a, it was a very difficult time in my life because 
um, you know, I went for a chest x-ray, um, just burning the candle at both ends, not taking care of my body like I should, and I had developed this pattern where I would get sick and it would turn into pneumonia. And um, I really felt like I had pneumonia again, and so I went to get a chest x-ray. Thank God I didn't have pneumonia, but that's when they saw this tumor in my throat. I prayed and, you know, Lord, what do I need to do here? And, I mean, clear as a bell, you need to have surgery, you need to have it quickly. <laughs> and um, now you say, well, Pastor Mark, could the Lord not have healed? He already healed me of that. But it's, it's where was my faith to receive it. Are you, you follow what I'm saying? Okay. I wasn't fully convinced. I'll be honest with you, I was, the devil was trying to have me plan my own funeral in my mind. Those were the thoughts that I was having to fight in my head. So, but notice now, I, me and the Lord talking about this all, all along the way. So, the, the tumor was removed and they told me that I would be on medication the rest of my life. Now, I took the medicine for a while, but the whole time I am feeding my faith. We, we started something here at Heritage called Healing School. We used to have it every Thursday morning. Every Thursday morning I'm either preaching on faith or one of the associate pastors is preaching on faith and healing, healing and faith, faith and healing, healing and faith. And as I fed my faith on the subject of healing, my faith grew on the subject of healing until, because I said the day that, I don't know if Dad remembers, we, we had a men's fishing trip. We were in Gulf Shores down Fort Morgan, Alabama. I was with my dad when I got the call, and they said, this is the medicine you're going to have to take. You're going to have to take it the rest of your life. And I told my dad, they said, i got to take it. And, of course, Dad was comforting me. And, you know, and, and, but I, I told him then, I said, I'll, I'll take it now, but I will not take it the rest of my life. And so I began to pray about it, and there, there came a day, Pam will tell you, there came a day where I was fully convinced. Now, all the side effects that they said, and this has been, what, almost seven years ago now, I guess, Pam, they, they, you know, all the side effects, if you don't take this, this is going to happen. If you don't take this, that's going to happen. All this stuff, well, you just prayed and agreed. And, and um, now listen, see, I... You know, we have all this crazy reputation here at Heritage telling people we don't believe in medicine. It's a lie. It's a lie. Thank God for medicine. Medicine kept a lot of people alive. But this is what, this is the thing, though. Medicine is not the final answer. Jesus didn't bleed to death naked on a cross for me to take medicine the rest of my life. But it's up to me. It's up to me whether or not I'm going to develop the faith that he's given me to, to walk in. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, what if I just wanted to try to impress everybody, a great man of faith, all this other stuff, refuse to have any kind of medical treatment, refuse to take any medicine? I, I may not be here today. I may not even be alive today. Because as, as, um, as embarrassed as I am to say that, that many years ago, I was not in a strong enough position personally with my faith to receive 
what I needed to receive in that moment. Now, you can judge me, whatever. I'm, I'm not, I don't believe you are, but I'm just telling you that's where I was. But never once did I believe that was God's best. Never once did Pam and I think that this was God's best, but it, it, was, it was where we were at that moment in, 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 our, in our lives. Now, it's been years and years and years. Matter of fact, um, two years ago, if you remember, um, I, I, uh, I got sick in July and was sick through the end of October. And I went to, the, to that doctor, uh, Dr. Randy Real, who did my surgery and all that stuff. And, and again, that was, that was me not eating right. That was me not resting right. That was me not, all that. It, it just breaks your body down. Not, not resting. God said 52 days a year of rest, period, plus more. And I, anyway. But while I was there, he looked at my throat, and, and he knew, he's known that I haven't taken that medicine for years. And, and um, he said, well, would you go downstairs and, and just let them test your blood and make sure you're okay? I said, see, now, if, if I wasn't fully convinced and just trying to impress somebody, I'd say, oh, no need to do that test, doctor. I'm healed. See, if I'm healed, then the blood will show it. If I'm healed, the blood will show it. And if I'm not healed, then the blood will show that I'm not healed. And then I got to get, me and Pam got to get before the Lord and decide what we're going to do. I said, let's, I said, sure, doctor, I'd be happy to, you know, I mean, that's, yes. And of course they did the test and the, the little scrap of thyroid, I don't, I believe there's a thyroid, I believe the Lord, I was been confessing the Lord just grew my thyroid back. But, but the hormone levels in, in my blood you know, are as if I have a full, healthy, functioning thyroid. And I haven't taken the synthetic thyroid medicine. Yeah, yeah, okay. But now listen to me, please. You say, well, well Pastor Mark, we're taking his medicine. I'm going to go take mine. You better not until you feed your faith to the point that you're fully convinced. That would be works without faith. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dangerous. Do you see the difference there? But oh my, 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 when you get, when you get faith working together with works, do you see the difference there? Amen. I know I'm out of time. Stand with me, please. Praise God. So don't put the cart of works before the horse of faith. But listen to me now. If you're not there yet, let's get there. Let's grow. Let's grow. And remember, it's from faith to faith. It's from faith to faith. Remember the lepers? I've told you the story. I'm going to keep on telling you, right? Somewhere along the way, they heard something about Jesus, which aroused enough faith, strengthened enough faith in their heart to cry out to Him from a distance. Then Jesus gave them instructions. They heard His voice, which increased their faith even more. Now, they turn in obedience to what He said, and they're cleansed of their leprosy. Notice, when they first heard about Jesus healing lepers, that did not awaken enough faith in them to go show themselves to the priest. Now, what if some leper down the road heard, 
Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest. Well, I'm going to show myself to the priest. Well, see, that's, see that just because somebody else did it, see, what you're not factoring in there is that those men, they went from one faith to the next faith to the next faith, and then they went and showed themselves to the priest. You see how this works. It's all those smaller steps of faith along the way that's growing our faith, that's, that's, that's moving us forward, uh, enabling us to, to be fully convinced and believe God for more and more and more. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for the things that you're saying to us. Father, I, I thank you that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach these things in faith. I'm going to preach these things fearlessly. and I'm not going to let the enemy try to tell me that people are being offended at what I'm saying because it's not about being offended. It's about, it's about getting it right and being right and, and owning what needs to be owned so that we can disown what needs to be disowned so that we can move forward, Father. And, and Lord, I thank you that you are developing some precious, beautiful, pure, genuine faith in our hearts and in our lives, Father. Nothing simulated about it, nothing pretend about it, no, nobody trying to act like there's something that they're not. But Lord, not, not being willing though to stay where we are, wanting to, wanting to develop, wanting to mature, become stronger and stronger in faith, believing you for more and more. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for allowing me to kind of get this out of me. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.